0: Well listen up church, um, I, got, I got to start today's message, um, it's very fitting because this is October, it's the best month of the year, all right, October, um, 27 years ago my life would change forever, 27 years ago, 1994, what were you doing in 1994, some of y'all nothing, right, I was not around. Alright, some of y'all, some of y'all are little, and some people are adults. So I don't know where, what. You know, think back to 94, well, 1994, towards the end of the month, October, I was 17, I had turned 18 years old, and I was doing what most 17, 18 year olds do. I went to a party um, in Durham, North Carolina, had a good time, the DJ was in there, it was 1994, so he was in there scratching and mixing Hey Mr. DJ by Jeanne and Cream, by Wu-Tang Clan, you know, he was getting me. I mean, we listening to Aaliyah, back and forth. I want to be down by Brandy, you know, Nas, whose world is this? Some of y'all like, what in the world? That's what the DJ was mixing. That, that's what I was listening to. All right, that's what was going on. I'm trying to get numbers from girls. I got a couple of numbers and everything. A little caveat on getting numbers from people back then. You know, if you had enough courage to go get somebody's number, you had to call their home number. <laughs> so you know what that means? That means if you're a dude... You calling somebody's home number? Daddy probably gonna answer the phone. <laughs> can, I, can I speak to Erica? Who this? You know, uh, I just want to speak to Erica. You calling my daughter? Now, yes, you know, all right. that whole different game now, all right? Cause people just talking to people that you know. Let me get off of that, all right? Cause I got daughters now myself, all right, That's why I'm, you know I got 16 to 17 year old daughter in my house right now. Um, but anyway, I was just doing doing what normal teenagers do and. You know, getting those numbers and um, doing all my sinning during the day. And then it, it, but I had this ritual. and I, Nobody ever told me this, but this is just what I did. I had this ritual that every night, no matter how much sinning had happened all during the day, that when I got down on my knees to pray at night, I would say this prayer to try to cover myself to make sure, because I had this fear that just in case I died, just in case <laughs> I died, when I went to sleep, I did not want to wake up in hell, all right? I was keeping the 100. This is what I did. So I got on my knees and I was like, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. In Jesus name, amen. Oh, I feel so much better. All right. Then I would lay down. I had done that for years. I mean, I know I I had done it every night since I was at least 12 years old. So I'm, I'm 18 now. It's been six years of doing that. But for some reason that night when I I was on my knees and I was praying, I felt a a voice, a, a still calm voice. And at the time I didn't know what that was but now I know that was the Spirit of God. And he just simply said, you don't know me. You don't know me. And here's what messed me up. Externally, externally, people at my church, my friends, Everybody know would have said hey Chris is a good dude. He's a good dude like you're not gonna find anybody better He's a really good dude, but see I knew Internally that I was messed up I I I knew all the stuff that I was hiding. I knew the lust of my eyes. I knew the pride I knew all my insecurities. I knew my worry and I knew I knew all those things But what I was doing was what is what everybody tries to do. I was trying to achieve salvation by my own means and my way of achieving salvation was through works. If I do enough good stuff and I just pray the right prayers, then God will be, be okay with me. That, that, that was how I wanted to achieve salvation. And all of us have different, you come up with your ways of doing it. That's called religion, by the way. I'm coming up with it myself and I'm doing it myself. But I knew, I knew I, I had not surrendered my life to Jesus. I've been around the people of God. I've been around the things of God, but I had surrendered my life to Jesus. And, I, and listen, I tore all night long, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to do. And then I just, and then I knew what to do. I needed to surrender. I needed to surrender all to him. I needed to be honest with myself and acknowledge who I, who I was and all these things. And here's the thing. For the first time, I stopped, and got, I, after all that wrestle, I realized I had to stop focusing on Chris and all the things that Chris did, and I had to focus on what Jesus did. And when I focused on what Jesus did, and when I remember all the stuff I had learned since the time I was a little kid, all these messages I heard preached, and all this stuff about Jesus being on the cross and dying for my sins, and I realized I've been focusing on me the whole time still, but this is about him and what he did. And when I surrendered to him, I woke up a new man that next morning. My life was forever changed because now I was living in response to the grace that, you know what? You, you, I'm not supposed to be in fear of you. I need to receive you. And my life was forever changed. And that was the beginning of what we call my story, my testimony, okay? And here's the thing, today, today we're actually gonna be looking at the testimony of one of the most influential authors in the history of the world, who had zero intention of becoming famous. In fact, I would say that he experienced more pain than he did fame. He spent the last days of his life awaiting execution because of his faith in Jesus. And nevertheless, this man's prolific penmanship, his his love for King Jesus and the kingdom of God and the family of God, it goes on and has impacted all of us for a very long time. Now, he's made appearances. We're in Acts chapter nine today, but he's made appearances in Acts chapter seven and Acts chapter eight. Um, and our Church on the Move series that we've been in. But today, today you're going to get to see change in his life. You're going to see a change that changed him and rocked him forever. And here's the thing. I'm believing that for you two here today. I'm believing that today is the day that many of you will change. So I entitled today's message simply this. Change my life. Change my life. We're going to be in Acts 9. We Look at these. Verses 1 through 31. So we're going to read through his testimony. You're going to see who he is in a minute. And we're going to make some observations along the way because I believe that God wants to change us this morning. Look at verse 1. Who's the guy but Saul? Okay, later on, his name will be Paul, but right now, he is Saul, okay? Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, so before we were called Christians, because uh, that happens a little bit later, what we were called at that time was the way. All right, that, that, that's what we were, how people refer to us. Men and women, he might bring them, um, bring them bound to Jerusalem. So here's the thing that you need to understand. Saul is not just a guy that's appalled at Christianity and people that call themselves Christians. He's at this place where he's become this fanatical, anti-Christian bounty hunter. So now, you know, y'all know how dog, bounty hunter is dog? Paul is like the bounty hunter dude. He's coming after you. Imagine, Imagine a person coming after us just because we identify as a Christian, trying to lock us up and have us murdered. That's who this dude is. Okay. Verse three. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I imagine he said it like Bernie Mac, Oh, Lord. You know, that's what he's like, What's happening? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Whoa. You got to understand, in his mind, Jesus is supposed to be dead. Jesus died on Calvary, this happened. Years ago, like what? Jesus. Okay. So, and here's the thing. Notice he's he said, Why are you persecuting who? Me. Was was Paul persecuting Jesus directly? No. But Jesus is identifying with who? His church. That's why we always need to be careful about how we talk about her, his church. Who she is, especially the persecuted church, because Jesus is identifying with them. This is the first time we heard Jesus like speak, you know, since, you know, since the beginning of Acts. Right. First time we've seen Jesus speaking and, he, and he's speaking to him and he's identifying with his persecuted church. He said, verse six, then he says this, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you're to do. Verse 7 The men who were traveling with him stood speechless Hearing the voice but seeing no one Saul rose from the ground And although his eyes were open He saw nothing So you know what that means So they led him by the hand And brought him into Damascus And for three days he was without sight And neither ate nor drank Verse 10 Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias The Lord said to him in the vision Ananias And he said Here I am Lord Lord and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in the vision a man named Ananias, which that's, that's him, right, he's talking to, came in and laid hands on him. He said, come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So God is already prophesying to Ananias about what's going to happen. But what, look at verse thirteen. This is hilarious. But Ananias answered, "Lord, I've heard from many about this man, um, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So not only is this dude off the chain and the leash and the harness and everything, not only is that, but he got permission. That means he's legally able to go." And bring harm on people. So Ananias is kind of like, are you sure that, won't, you won't, that was Anaplius, my cousin? I know our names sound just like. <laughs> you sure you want me? Because Are you sure about this Lord? He's kind of like, I heard about this guy. That's what he's kind of saying, right? But in verse 15, he says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show you how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Then in verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said these endearing words, brother Saul. Wow. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The central character in the book of Acts. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples in Damascus. So here we go. The first thing that I want you to understand, first thing that I want you to get, the first thing that you need to know about God and change in your life is that Jesus wants to change your story. Jesus wants to turn it around. Jesus wants to make you, want you to make that 180. This is what he wants to do. He was sent here for that very reason, to change our lives. And here's the good news. If you're sitting here today, and even if you don't want to change today for the good, God still wants to change you for his good. Now, I get it. Some of y'all might be saying, you might just be like Paul. I mean, Saul right here, right? I like my story. My story is fine. Well, I you know, not... Do I really need Jesus to change change this? See, see like, like, like most folk, most religious folk, including myself, you heard my testimony earlier, um, we, we think we're on good terms with God because we pray, we went to Sunday school, someone else sang in the choir, you look at how much money that you've given the church over the years, and you look at that, right? You've done Bible study before. In fact, you probably in your mind, if we're honest, if you want to just be honest, we, I'm doing God a favor. Look, I, I'm doing God a favor. That, that, that's what I'm doing. Now, let me ask you a question. What has to happen to knock you off your high horse? Paul was on his, that's where we get it from. You know, you up on your high horse? Yeah, Paul's up, he was up on his high horse. Light shines down. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Knock him to the ground, totally blinds his brother. What? What is your high horse? Do you ever talk about that? Do you ever discuss that? What, what is your high horse? What does God got to knock you off of for you to realize that he's trying to speak to you? Does, does he have to take your health? Does he have to take that from you? Does he ha- does, do you have to get all this level of education but it still fail you and you're still miserable and you're still doubting and you're still in... in, in Is it money? You can have all the money in the world. You lose all that money or you got the money, but you still ain't happy. What is it going? To, is it going to take a fail Mary? What, what is it going to have to take to knock you off that horse? And here's the thing. When Saul realized he was on the wrong team, it wrecked him. Not just for a moment, for days. He didn't eat. He didn't drink because this is what's starting to happen. Change is starting to happen. His whole identity is messed up right now. Everything that he's built his life on. And I encourage you, go back, you know, make a little note. Go back and really read Philippians chapter 3. The beginning of Philippians chapter 3, you can see him explain it in detail. He will go into detail about everything that he was in the Jewish community. And then he said, I count that all as dumb, crap. And now I press on forward to, my, to the mark that God has called me to. This is where he was. But what did God have to do? You realize that one of the things he, he took away was his, his sight, his eyes. You know, I, and, I, and I, symbolically, as I'm reading this, I kind of see it like you were blind anyway in your old ways. Sometimes God has to blind us so we can see, so we can see with, with eyes of faith. That, that's part of it. That, when I got saved, when God saved me, I saw things totally different than i ever seen things before. I'm seeing now with eyes of faith. Are, are, are you okay with God giving you some new eyes of faith? That's what he wants to do. His ears. Now, here's the thing. He could understand what that voice was saying. The Other people, they didn't know. It just, they don't know what happened, but, but Saul heard God speaking. Sometimes God will speak to you. Even when everybody else around you, your old crew, your, all your people that you've been around for years and, and all that, you can't hear from them, but God is trying to speak to you. Are you willing to listen to God's word? Are you willing to hear from him? Listen, we don't have a dead word, church. We got a word that is alive and is active. That's why we, we want you to know it. That's why we preach from it. That's why we go through this because we know that that's where change is going to come from. Can he unclog those ears, Right. And here's here's something else that we saw happen right here. Ananias calls him brother. God also wants to not only change your eyes and your ears, but he even wants to change the people that you're around. He wants to give you a new family. Do you understand this? Do do, Do you understand the grace that Paul is witnessing here? The kind of dude that you were just trying to kill. That you had... Legal representation to kill has now looked you in your face and called you family. You're my brother. Are you ready for God to change your family? Are you ready for that? See, this is change. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient. It's not cute, but it's real. It's raw. And here's what's, what's, what's great it's a relief. It's a relief to be in Jesus. Here's the thing. <laughs> This was not the first time that Paul heard the truth of the gospel. Stephen, y'all remember Stephen a couple of chapters back? He pro, I mean, Stephen preached the mess out of it. He, preached, uh, he, was, he proclaimed the truth. Paul was one of the people that oversaw him dying. So Paul had heard the truth before, but this is the first time that he's listening. And see, somebody here today, I don't think this is your first time hearing the truth either. Jesus has spoken to you in dreams. Jesus has spoken to you through visions. Remember, this dude is not even a, Paul was not saved yet, but God had placed a vision in his, in his heart, in his mind of him seeing what somebody that he was trying to kill was coming to do, to, 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 to lay hands on him and bring him to faith. It hadn't happened to him yet, but he saw it in a vision. God uses visions and speaks to people this way. Some of y'all, your grandma been praying for you. You said that grandma has been praying for you. Some of y'all, it's that mama that might've been fasting for you. Some of y'all is that daddy that's been preaching. Some of y'all is your roommate that's been crying out to the Lord. Some of us, it's our children who have given their life to Christ and have received Jesus and they're praying that their parents come to faith in them. But here's the thing are you going to listen? Today is the day to listen. See, Saul had a choice to obey Jesus. And when he did it, God gave him his first message, God gave him a testimony. And God's going to give you a testimony. God's going to give you a story. And your story, your story becomes part of his story. Your story becomes part of all of our stories. And everybody that has received Jesus, he changes. And if you know him, I want to tell you right here, you have a testimony. It's a story of grace and mercy. It's a story of love. I don't care if you're 23. I don't care if you are 83. God came to save his enemies. This is, this is what makes his testimony so special. We all were his enemies. Amen? <laughs> we all were Jesus' enemies. Because we all were dead in our trespasses. You weren't a little bit dead. Yeah, well, you know, Pastor Chris, I was a good person. I grew up, I was just a little dead in Christ. I really wasn't dead. I was just dead and dead. No, you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses. You can't, Dead, dead, dead. You were dead, okay? You were dead in your, your, your uh, Skull emoji, all right? That, that's what you were, okay? We all were self-centered. We all were self-centered. We were all doing our own thing, but Jesus, through his grace and mercy, he decided to make you family. He decided to, instead of making you dead, making you alive in him. He now wants to be the center of your joy. And here's the thing, if you're a believer and you're here today, when was the last time you shared your story? When was the last time you shared your testimony? Some of y'all heard Hannah say it earlier. When was the last time you shared your testimony with someone? Does your community group know your testimony? Does any of your coworkers know your testimony? Do your kids even know your testimony? Does that cousin know your testimony? I've seen God say it, I, you know, because some of y'all, y'all know how crazy our families are, right? I, I've seen, I, I've been able to be fortunate enough to see some of my own cousins come to faith in Christ. And it wasn't because I was doing this great job of, this is when I was young in my faith, but just sharing my testimony and just saying this is what God is doing. I, and seeing some of them come to faith in Christ. I've seen that happen. And that's what I I challenge you this week. Share your testimony with at least one person that's never heard it before. Amen? That leads to verse 20. We're talking about this sharing, sharing. Look look, look what it says in verse 20. And immediately it says, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for that purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah, was the one that was sent, was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Interesting, right? So here, here if you want to know if you changed, you want to know you changed, you can look at other people and say, I used to be just like that. You see some of your old ways when you look around. That's, that's one of the ways you know that you've changed because you can acknowledge and you can see it. Because this is what's happening to him right now. It's almost like he's seeing an old reflection of himself in the mirror. Then verse 24 says, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him into a basket. So people actually used to live in the walls, like literally In the walls and cities, people lived in there. And Paul had some people that were connected to him that got him away in that. But let's go back to verse 20 because it says, immediately, Saul proclaimed. Here's the second thing that you need to understand about change. Not only does God want to change your story, but he also wants to change your message. He wants to change your message. See, See, first, you have an experience with Jesus. You should have an experience with Jesus. Like you should know. Again, I I say it all the time because I got to remind people because I don't, I believe we live in a world now with, with so many ideas, so many ideologies. Sometimes we confuse Jesus for that. Like he's, you know, if I'm a Christian, it means I'm morally good. Like, no. No, Jesus is a real person. He is alive. He is alive. He's at the right hand of the Father. He prayed for you. He's interceding for you. He still speaks to people. He still saves people. He is a real person in 2021. Okay? That's what you you have to understand and come to grips with that and I say it all the time and he and you can have an Experience with Jesus, but it doesn't stop there because Jesus wants your heart And the reason why Jesus wants your heart because if he can get to your heart, then he's gonna have access to your lips Because from the abundance of the heart what the mouth speaks So he didn't he didn't just so Paul yeah Paul had this experience all these things happening, but you notice immediately he went from a gospel persecutor to now a gospel proclaimer. See, God didn't just give you a testimony just to be a testimony. He gave you a testimony so that you could testify. Okay, so you could testify. Now, Paul is young in his belief. He just became a believer, right? But, but when you realize that Jesus is actually alive when you understand, like when, it, when, it, when it comes to you, like, oh my God, Jesus is real, he is alive. Oh my, what does that mean? You start telling everybody. Y'all remember Pastor Ethan told that story last week about sharing Jesus with others. He talked about sleeping up um, out in the middle of the ocean on top of that thing. You know, that, that's something that my melanin would not allow me to do. <laughs> By the way, I, I just can't, we, I, you know. But that, he was telling everybody about that, right? Because he was excited. This is what Paul is doing, and I don't care the consequences because, y'all, this is crazy. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the one that was sent, all right? You've got to go and tell it to somebody. You know, That's why when we sing that song, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere, this is what's happening. You've got to go and tell it. Look how many times, even in these 31 verses, you see the word go in here, all right? That's the gospel in a nutshell. You you, everybody can share that I was lost. I was confused. I was God's enemy, but God loved me so much that even while I was still an enemy, while I was still a sinner, while I was yet a sinner, he came and he died for me and he conquered the things that I have not been able to conquer. I have not been able to conquer sin. None of us here can conquer death. Jesus conquered sin and death, resurrected. You put your faith in him, the same spirit that resurrected him from the dead. You can have yourself. Amen. Amen? Amen. He's excited about this. And he pledged his allegiance to Jesus. And I'm going to tell everybody about it. So let me just ask you this practically. When was the last time you testified? And when I say testified, when, Je- when he says Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus was the Christ, there are implications that come along with that. There are implications for your life. There's implications for people around you, their lives. Because that changes everything. If Jesus actually is real, and Jesus actually died for their sins, and this actually did happen, that changes everything in their lives. That means there's hope. That means they can overcome what they think is overcoming them. So, you see, he understands this now. That, 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 that means that there's, listen because of his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love, he can be Lord over you. He can be Lord over all your problems even right now. Look, what Jesus can do for you is that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil anymore because he's with you. His rod and his staff will protect you. That's not just a cute thing that you read in Psalms. That's real because he's real and he's going to be with you. That's what it means if Jesus is the son of God and that Jesus is the Christ. Amen. It's why we do what we do and go where we go. So let's just look at the last thing here. because This is the last area that Jesus changes. He he changes your story. He he changes your words, what's on your lips, what you testify. But he changes another important aspect of your life. Look at verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him. These are Jesus's, the 12 apostles, right? They, they're like, uh, who? Who you say got saved? Oh, man. Y'all say he got saved? I don't know about that, man. I'm, yeah. How y'all know he ain't playing? They did not believe that he was a disciple. They did not believe that he was a follower of Christ. They did not believe that he had become a fisher of men. They did not believe that God was sanctifying him. They did not believe that. But, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoken to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, here's, here's something else I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss this. Community has been a very difficult issue for Paul, Saul, everywhere he goes. I mean, God is speaking to people in visions and they still doubt him, Right? Ananias like, I mean, God spoke to Ananias in the vision. Ananias, Ananias like, ah. You know, he goes to them and they're like, ah. You know, all, all this is that. Community has been difficult. For some of y'all, community has been difficult too. But I need you to understand this. God has always provided his people for you. Because he never allows Paul to ever be a long ranger Christian. You need to be in community. I plead and beg with you. You need to be in a community group. You need to be in community with some believers. You need to be around some other folk. It's very, very important in God forming you and equipping you and shaping you into who you need to be, even if it's a little bit messy, all right? Because I mean, I don't know how Paul felt when like these are like Jesus' disciples. Like these are the dudes that roll with Jesus for three years. I hadn't experienced Jesus. I thought it was real. I thought all this was good. You know, the Holy Spirit is on me. I'm baptized. I'm seeing fruit. But the people that are... In the, in the church, and the people, they're they kind of like, they don't want to even associate with me. But you see that God provided Barnabas for him right there. Trust what God is doing. Trust that God will bring you in the community with the people he's supposed to bring you in with. Amen? So we kind of see that happen in verse 28. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. Everybody trying to kill him. Verse 30, and when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. That's where he's from. They sent him back to his hometown. Verse 31, the last verse. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the central character of this book, it multiplied. Now go back to verse 30. It says Saul was sent back to Tarsus, his hometown. Here's the last thing I want you to see and God changes you. Not only will he change your story, not only will he change your message and what's on your lips, he also will change your mission. Jesus wants to change your mission. Jesus wants to be Lord of your direction. He wants to to lead you and direct you. If you're saying your yes is on the table, then let him lead you and direct you. Let him use God's people to affirm these things. That's, That's what you see happening here. And see, and whether you acknowledge it or not, we all have a mission. We're all on mission. We all, we all are, are driven. We're all driven to something. Our businesses have mission statements, and it focuses on two things. It focuses on the target group, right, whatever that target group is, as well as what their goal is. Well, in the kingdom, church, in the kingdom, our mission is not material. People are the mission, and our goal is is simply to make disciples back in verse 15 god told and ananias that saul would be his chosen instrument And here's the thing i believe all of us here you've been chosen by god he chose you he chose you to serve him you're his chosen instrument and he told and then paul specifically was called to reach and in three groups he says he's my chosen instrument to reach the gentiles to reach the kings and the children of Israel see church God gave us this amazing testimony this amazing message and a powerful mission to be filled with his spirit powered by his spirit to reach people people are the mission let me just end talking to those groups that Paul was sent to if you're here today and you're the children of Israel. These people are the people that seem to be so close to God, but not quite there. One of my favorite movies, it's a little bit violent, but one of my favorite movies is a book. The movie, movie called The Book of Eli. Denzel Washington's in it. If you haven't seen it, I might spoil it for you right here. Sorry. Towards the end of the movie, They're trying to get a hold of this book. Now this book actually is the Bible. They're trying to get a hold of this book. And this evil dude wants to get the Bible and try to use it to manipulate people because he's living in a world where people are illiterate. And he's one of the older people. He's one of the few people. It's a post-apocalyptic world. So most people are illiterate and can't read. And him and Denzel are like two of the older characters in in this film. And Denzel's been protecting this book. This guy finally gets a hold of this book. Goes through all this drama, kills all these people, does all this to get a hold of this Bible because he thinks he's going to use it for his own purposes. He opens this Bible up and when he opens it up, he was like, what is this? Because it's all in Braille. It's all in Braille. Denzel said these words to him. He said, how does it feel to be so close to something but yet so far away? I feel like that's the story of most people that have grown up in church you've been around it you've been beside it you've seen people experience it left and right, just like Paul just like myself, 18 years of it myself, I've been around been around it and all that, but I, I was so close but I didn't surrender to knowing who it was all really about which is Jesus if that's you today, I just encourage you to surrender some of you might be the kings and the queens in here if that's you if you're a king and a queen that means you, 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 you pretty much write, you're writing your own story you're writing your own story you're living your life the way you want to live it nobody's telling you what to do you're just doing your own thing and then you treat God like he is seasoning like he's Lowry's and I'll just sprinkle a little God here and there sprinkle a little Jesus over this situation sprinkle this and that no, no, no no, no you are the salt of the earth not him he sprinkles you on the situation if he's king that's what we want you to surrender to if if you are the king you need to submit to the king in his kingdom if that's you Paul had a message for them and then there's this last group the Gentiles the Gentiles the Gentiles are the last ones thinking they're the ones that's the furthest off they're the ones that have never heard the gospel before that's why we send people to unreach people groups all over the world. We send people to people in this city that don't know Jesus, that don't, that, that, that have never experienced Jesus, that don't know what it's like. And we send people to, to them because a lot of them, they think they so far off that they can't be in the family. If that's you today and you feel like you're sin, you feel like all the things that you've been through is keeping you away from God, I just wanna encourage you today, you can be my brother be my sister. You can be our brother. You can be our sister today. God wants you to be a part of his family no matter how far off you were. Nobody so far in the book of Acts has been as far further off than Saul. So much so that Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? But Jesus took that man and made him a family. Gave him a family. And here's the thing. We're sitting here and most of the preaching that we do comes from his experience and how the Spirit led him as he wrote. Most of the New Testament is what that brother wrote. A brother that was far off. As you today, I encourage you to surrender to Jesus. Pray with me. Jesus, we ask that you soften our hearts for us to be able to receive you. We know that you came to can save those who were lost and we thank you Jesus for your ministry to us to our hearts to our lives and I pray father that today just like brother Saul God you gave us a story you gave us a testimony you we even know that in the end we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony help us and give us the strength to testify, to talk about your goodness, to talk about your grace and how you're active in our lives. And God, we also pray, Lord, that we are be obedient and that we're on mission for you. Help us this week, God. This week, Lord, help us to be on mission for you. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.